So uh, how many of you like kids? Would you raise your hand? Oh, good. How many do not like kids? That's all right. Just be honest. How many of you, you like kids, but you don't like your own kids, right? (laughs) Whether or not you like kids uh, or not, you know, you're going to encounter them at some point. They're everywhere. Yeah, they are. They're like fleas. They're everywhere, and they just slowly eat at your soul, you know? Every time you turn around, they're like little gnats. It's like, daddy, mama, mama, grandma, blah, 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 blah. Even if, you don't, if, you, even if they're not your kids, they start annoying you. Like, I'm trying to eat here at Ruby Tuesdays. Can you just get your kid to be quiet? You know? But we will encounter kids, whether you have them or you don't. And the Bible says something very powerful about children in Psalms chapter 127, verse 3. You don't have to turn there. I want you to stay in Joshua. That children are a heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is our reward. It is a blessing to have kids. And my heart breaks for those that are not able to have children and desire to. I really do. It is a blessing to have children. But regardless if you have them or you do not, you will encounter them. And we need to know how to handle them and help them, especially in this generation that we live in. I'm going to go about this a really strange way. Because I'm looking at Joshua chapter 1, and I'll explain as we go. All right? So um, I, I want to talk to you about the family fundamentals. And uh, these are the absolutes you need in your life. Before you can train your kids, you've got to really establish some things. Before you help other kids in junior church and Sunday school, there's got to be some fundamentals in your life. Okay? And these are family fundamentals we need to live by. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke... Unto Joshua, the son of Nun. Uh, Moses was a minister. Moses was a man of God. And the Bible says that Moses, my servant, is now dead. And therefore arise and go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, into the land which I give unto them, even to the children of Israel. And so here is the story of an incredible man that led his own family and the children of Israel out of bondage through some serious obstacles and problems and circumstances that we've all learned about, if we grew up in a church especially. But at the turning point of Moses' life, all the children of Israel were looking at one man. His name was Joshua. And they were looking at him as the next leader. He's the man of the hour. Uh, This overwhelming responsibility is now put on the shoulders of, of Joshua, the duty to lead the people, the children of Israel. So now... You got a man that's a father, but he's now stepping in the place of a spiritual father, if you would. Very symbolic. They are the children of Israel. This is a spiritual father and role model to lead them and direct them under the guidelines of the Lord Jesus Christ, or God the Father, if you would. So here we are, and here's the picture laid out before us. And these uh, fundamentals we're going to talk about to effectively train our children all begin with the understanding of Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. I want you to draw your attention to this and understand. Joshua now has not only his children looking at him, but also the children of Israel looking at him and watching him to establish some things for them to follow, do, and live by. And we call these the family fundamentals. All right? And so it's, it's a requirement for us as parents, to train our children biblically is required for us to raise them up in the way they should go. 
And when they're old, they'll not depart from it. In order to effectively train our children, we must first establish these fundamentals, okay? we got to put these things in place in your home. And Joshua established these fundamentals from the very start of his leadership position. So we're going to look at them together. Are you all ready? I know you get a break, and we get to celebrate our freedom and those we're going to we're going to pray together as family and gather around in the backyards and eat together and and reminisce on the stories of those that were brave and gave their life for us but right now I want you to focus on some past history of some great men of God that laid the groundwork for us today so we can know how to raise our families so I want you to focus on Joshua, and look with me at these fundamentals for family. The first one is, the first fundamental is, you must establish a foundation for your family. You have to establish a foundation for your family. Pastor Tony kind of talked about that a little bit when he was preaching a couple of weeks ago. He had the rock up here and so forth, and he was standing on it. Well, that foundation has to be a foundation of salvation. You see Joshua chapter 1 and verse 1, and it's all going to come together as we read this, and you'll understand why I picked Joshua. Now, after the death of Moses, verse 1, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord, what, unto Joshua? He spoke. He spake unto him. In other words, God had a relationship with this man. He was a believer. This man had, if you would, salvation. He knew who his heavenly father was. He knew what he needed for his family. There was a foundation of salvation placed there. God was able to speak directly to Joshua because Joshua believed in God. His foundation was through his salvation in God. You see, children are looking for purpose in life. A foundation that they will be able to build their their life on. They're, They're desiring something that they can hold on to. And we must teach them the purpose begins, that the purpose begins with Christ. He could not be the leader he needed to be unless he showed to the people who he was following. And he laid the groundwork to say, listen, not only to his own children, but the children of Israel. <clears throat> Moses followed the Lord, and we're going to do the same thing. I believe in God, and we're going to do the same thing as our forefathers did when they believed in God. We're going to follow him and do as he asked us to do. And so he lays the groundwork. And I'm going to tell you, if there's ever been a time in America that's in dire need for us to lay some foundations down for our children, it's today. Um, <clears throat> the Bible says, I, I come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Children are looking for an abundant life. They're looking for purpose. They have no foundation. They're on unstable ground. As the Bible says in the book of Matthew, it's like sinking sand. They're establishing their lives and the, and the pillars around their life on things that are unstable. And they're looking to us and they're looking at the teachers and the fathers and the mothers. And, the, and they're looking at the junior church workers saying, why am I here? What is my purpose? And you must understand, you have to establish a foundation for your family. And that foundation begins with salvation. They need to know they were created in the likeness of God for a purpose. Too often children choose to throw away their lives because... Um, they don't see the value of life. They've never seen the value of life in Christ. When children don't realize why they were born, they seek an answer. They seek a purpose. And oftentimes they don't find it. But when you find Jesus Christ, it fulfills that emptiness. I tell you, suicide is the third leading cause of death for 15 to 24-year-olds in America. Third leading cause of death. The reason why is so often is because children are just searching for purpose. They have no foundation. 
<clears throat> Sometimes we even see in our own Christian fa- families where you desire to have that foundation, children making those same decisions. I tell you, when I was a youth pastor in Tennessee, I remember, hey, thanks, buddy, little brownie points there. <laughs> I remember I was a youth pastor. Um, I had a, a guy in my youth group, his name was Justin Stafford. He was a nice kid, country, loved tractors, loved, loved, loved cows. He would show cows on the weekends. He just was a cool guy. But he went to school with some people that didn't think that was cool. And instead of just keeping their opinions themselves, they would let him know quite often how they felt. After a while, he just kind of lost track of what his purpose was, even though he went to church. After a while, <clears throat> he got discouraged. He just felt like there was nothing he could stand on anymore, and he was just alone in this world. He didn't have that fundamental of knowing that there's a foundation called salvation, and he could stand on Jesus Christ regardless of what everybody says and regardless of the bullies. And one day he decided to go down to the barn and feed the cattle, and his, his dad was waiting on him, waiting on him, went down there and found his, dad, his son hanging from the rafters, and he hung himself. I remember getting the phone call. And he said, Dave, my son did an awful, horrible thing, and he's broken, and he's crying. It was overwhelming. And I remember preaching that funeral and thinking to myself, why would somebody like this choose to do that? One word, purpose. They're looking for their purpose, and they're throwing away this gift called life because they feel like they don't have purpose there's a TV drama on Netflix called 13 Reasons. It seems to be the popular thing. A lot of teens and preteens are watching it. 13 Reasons this girl took her own life and, and she's blaming things and people and this and that. And they're in, this guy that loved her is investigating and all this kind of stuff. And the bottom line is there's only one reason people really <clears throat> take their life. The lack of purpose. Those that are saved sometimes make this horrific decision. Children. And the reason why is because they know they're saved, but they just didn't realize what God wanted them to do. And they feel worthless and insignificant. And they just feel like they're just going like a a leaf in the wind. It is our responsibility. You must establish a foundation for your family. And that foundation has to be, be built on salvation. And you need to let your kids know you were created, wonderfully made in the image of God. The Bible says in Psalms 139 and verse 14, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and what? wonderfully made. The Bible also says, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, wherewith there be thrones and dominions and principalities and powers. All things were created by him and for him. For him. I got to tell little Christian, my son and my little girl Ellie, since the day they were born, you have a reason for being here. It's not for mommy. It's not for daddy. It's for God Almighty. He has something so incredible in store for you. Don't throw it away for anything. Hold on to it. Love it. Tap into it because your spiritual gifts were designed uniquely for you to give to others so God may receive glory and honor and praise. You have purpose. You have reason. In the day we stop investing in our children in telling them their purpose and the reason is the day we allow our children to fail and fall. I do not want to stand accountable before God for not giving my children purpose, the foundation of salvation. Tell them. Invest in them. Give them this. This is the purpose of life. And that must be the foundation of our children. 
learn to effectively speak to your children. He said, my kids are they're teenagers now. <clears throat> then learn to effectively speak to your teenagers. He said, my kids are adults now. Then learn to effectively speak to those adults. We become comfortable and lazy and we forget the need because time flies by and we are like overlooking it until something tragic happens. I do not want that to happen in my life. So every moment, the Bible says, when you wake up in the morning, when you sit down in the evening, whether you walk by your kids or sit by your kids, and I'm paraphrasing here, the Bible says to speak on these things, the word of God, the laws of the God, so they know and they understand their purpose, their reason. We must, the fundamentals, we must establish a foundation for our family. And that starts with the foundation of salvation and the foundation of servanthood. Here's the thing. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 1, it not only spoke of Moses being a servant, but the Bible says that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister. That didn't mean this was Moses' personal preacher man. <clears throat> that wasn't it at all. This was, that word minister is interpreted, a servant. This was a man there to say, whatever you need, I'm going to do. I want to get to work. I want to honor the Lord. I want to honor you as a man of God. I want to serve, serve, serve. Um, Joshua illustrated to his family that he was a servant. When he'd come home and the kids would say, how'd things go, Dad? Oh, man, it was a, it was a tough day. But we got a lot done. We, Moses has got some plans and he's talking with God. And, you know, kids, you, if you serve the Lord, God will, God will put you in leadership one day too. Well, Dad, why can't I just take leadership? Why, why can't I just have that job? Why can't I just be that manager? Why can't, I, why can't I make that money? Because it starts with learning to serve. You know, too often we don't teach our children the importance of servant. We just don't tell them how to serve. They don't understand the quality of serving. Matthew chapter 23 verse 11 says, But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. A servant is somebody that is willing to step in the gap and say, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get the job done and love people and care for people. I'm not about everybody catering to me. We are raising a generation of kids that want self-gratification immediately. They, they want to know what it's like to get a paycheck without working for the paycheck. They walk the streets and throw the trash on the side of the road because somebody else is going to pick it up. They throw their dirty clothes in the box because somebody else is going to wash it. Obviously, because they're your children. They're so used to this that they get in a pattern and in a rut and we allow those things and we don't create character and we don't create servanthood and we're losing track of the foundation that God intended for our family. Let me tell you something. We are to raise and train our children to honor the Lord, but that means you raise and train your children to work, work, work. Well, I don't understand. He's 20 years old. He's still living in my basement. He don't do anything. That's because you probably taught him that. Stop buying him Cheetos. Take away his Xbox. Get him a resume going. Get an application. Show him how to work. It's all right, Dad, if he don't put that screw in just right with the drill. But teach him how to use the drill. Moses probably got a little frustrated with Joshua once in a while when Joshua was messing things up. Moses said, listen, you're going to get in front of all these people? There's 12 tribes here. They've got different cultures and different ways of thinking. You're going to run your mouth like that? No, 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 no. You're not a big shot. You might be by my side. You might be my right-hand man. But you learn to serve before you learn to lead. Well, I want to be a Sunday school teacher. It doesn't seem like there's anything to it. Just get a little book out and put these little flannel graphs up and we're good to go. No, there's more than that. It's called respect. 
It's called faithful. It's called consistent. It's being the man of God or woman of God. Well, I want you to be by being a servant. We don't hear it enough. We don't hear it enough, the importance of giving your kids the opportunity to serve even in your home. You understand? There's nothing wrong with having chores. Ooh. It's like leave it to beaver. They don't do that anymore. We just give them whatever they want. It's okay. It's all right for them to learn how to use a mop or a broom. It's not going to kill them. My said the, um, Ellie calls uh, blisters, uh, um, she calls them warts. She goes, Daddy, I got more warts. I said, Baby, that's from just work. That's just a blister. And when it pops, it'll hurt, but you just, you know, and it'll get hard, and you just, you know, these things. Now get out there and dig that hole, little girl. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not really that way. I remember, listen, my dad, growing up, he'd collect all this wood. <clears throat> this has nothing to do with the message, really. And it had all these nails in it. Every time we'd go on a job, he'd be like, that's good lumber right there, boys, load her up. And me and Tony would be like, are you kidding me? There's like 15,000 nails in it. Yep, when we get home, you're going to pull all those nails, pull all those nails. We would pull these nails and stack wood and stack wood and stack wood until about, I don't know, 15 years ago, um, 10 years ago, something like that. Me and Tony were at home, and we're rednecks. We're looking for snakes, and we found this snake, and he crawled under the wood pile. I'm like, man, let's just burn them out. I was like, Dad has had that wood for 25 years, and it's rotting. And I'm wondering, and we just lit the whole thing on fire. Dad was cool with it. it. And I'm thinking to myself, why did we do all that work? Why did we do all those things? We had a cow once. We have weird. We're rednecks. And he was blind. I have no idea why we had a blind cow. <clears throat> it walked into trees. It didn't know where he was. It didn't produce milk. He was worthless. It was a worthless cow. And I'm not against blind things, people. But I couldn't stand the cow. I said, why do we have this cow? What if, what? All we do is feed the cow, Dad. And then the cow died. The blind cow died. And my dad gives us shovels. You know how big of a hole you have to dig to bury a cow? Because it was worthless. It had no meat on its bones. So I said, so we raise this cow. We dig a hole. We bury the cow. That did nothing for us. But I have learned something. With every nail I pulled, I learned the quality of work. With every scoop I dug, I learned nothing. (laughs) Just don't buy a worthless blind cow. The foundation of servanthood is the ability to work. You can never teach your kids to be a leader if they don't know how to be a servant. Jesus was a servant. Say, well, the multitude followed Jesus because he was serving the multitude. They listened to Jesus because they respected Jesus because he served the people. Call me old school, but I think you ought to teach your kids how to open a door for the elderly and for a woman. And there is, uh, somebody said, that's just Southern. Southern. Say, yes, ma'am, no, man. I tell you what, it goes a long way when you're trying to get a job. You say, well, this is just crazy talk. Yeah, tell me how that goes when your 25-year-old still looking for a job. And he just simply says, yes, ma'am, I appreciate the opportunity to work with you. That little bit of respect goes a long way. Amen. So often we hear people say, well, don't, that makes me feel old. You call me ma'am or sir. You are old. <laughs> You're old. And that's okay. With age comes honor. 
and respect if you deserve it. Not all of us do, but here's the bottom line. We need to establish. You say, Dave preached that you're not right with God if your kids don't say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. That's a lie. I'm not saying that. You train up your child in the way you think they should go according to the word of God. Some of these are preferences and guidelines to live by. I don't know what's best for you, but I do know respect is important. Honor is important. And all those are centered around servanthood. So here's another fundamental for our family. You must have faith for your family. You must have faith for your family. Here's the thing. We're going to go to Joshua chapter 3, okay? So God's preparing the people and says, you're going to cross over Jordan. We're going to do this. I'm going to give you the land. You're going to have great victories. I'm going to show you some marvelous things. You're going to love it. And so in Joshua chapter 3 and verse 3, and they commanded the people saying, he gets all the people together, and he's going to tell them the plan, what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. He commanded the people and saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, this represents God, when God's presence, the Shekinah glory of God will be made present in front of you, and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. And the Bible goes on to say in verse 4, yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure, come not near it, unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go. For ye have not passed this way. What? Therefore, never before. It's not happened. This is all new. So here's what's taking place. He said, I want you to stay a little bit back enough to see what's going on and where we're going. See, when you have established faith for your family, you're going to learn by leading God's way. It's not your way. It's God's way. You're following his leading. And when you're leading God's way, you're going to be watching his direction and where he's going. You see right here what happens is he gathers the people together and he said the Ark of the Covenant is going to come through here. I want you to scoot back just a little bit. I want you to focus on it and go after it. And wherever it goes, you go. And where it leads you, just have faith it's going in the right direction. Just believe. Just have faith. Trust God. Believe God. By leading God's way, your family will follow you and have faith that you know what direction you're going because you're trusting God. Our children are trusting us to lead them in the right direction. You know that? Uh, that's why the Bible says in Proverbs 22 and verse 6, train up a child in the way he should what? Go. The way he should go. And as when he is old, he'll not depart from it. But we cannot do that on our own. We have to trust God in his leading. We are responsible for leading our children in the right direction. You are responsible for helping in your junior church and Sunday school or on the bus or if your grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, whatever association you have with children, you are responsible to be an example and lead God's way. Focus God's way. And the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not into your own understanding. All thy ways acknowledge him and he'll what? Direct thy path. I'm sure his son probably bumped dad in the shoulder and said, hey dad, you know that's water, right? It's the Jordan. And we're going to go in there. I mean, no offense dad, I love you, but you ain't Moses. You ain't got the beard going on. You ain't got the thing that Mo- Moses had it. I mean, we went across the Red Sea. I mean, are we, are you really sure? Are you sure, Dad, we should move? I mean, we're, we've been in this part of the wilderness for a while. You know, I mean, we got our friends here and the school's here. This is a good thing, you know? Dad, are you sure you want to get out of the comfort zone? Because maybe that church isn't right and we should go over to this church. Dad, come on. But Dad still had to lead God's way. 
yes, son, I know what God wants us to do. Just trust me. And so he's laying an example before them. Get out of your comfort zone. Pull up the stakes. Let's get ready to go because this is the direction God wants us to go. And we have to have faith for your family. Your family's counting on your faith. When mom gets discouraged and, and the kids are discouraged, we got to show them. And this is not supposed to be a father messing. And Father's Day is coming. But this is really important to understand. That illustration we give to our kids is something they start inheriting in their own life. The example we lay before them. And so here's the thing. You must have faith for your family by leading them God's way. And they got up and they followed the Ark of the Covenant. And it led them in the direction they were going. The family went together. The kids were trusting by faith that this is the right thing to do. They're leaving behind what they felt comfortable with. And sometimes having faith, you got to do that. you got to trust in the things you can't see. And the Bible goes on and explains some other things concerning their decision. And it brings about trusting God's word. You can't just... You just, you just don't have faith for your family by leading God's way, but you have to by trusting God's word. See, it's not about me. It's not about what I think or what you think. It's about what God says. We establish rules and guidelines. Rules without reason ends in rebellion. Some of us need to quit creating rules without God's word involved. So here's what happens in Joshua chapter 3 and verse 9. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither and hear the words of the Lord, your God. He said, we're going to make some big decisions. We're going to step out by faith as a family. <clears throat> and the children are watching, the children of Israel, his own children are watching. And he said, we're going to be led by God and we're going God's way. And we're going to trust God's word. And God said to do this. And so we're going to do this. See, our children are looking for something to believe in. So let's give them something to believe in. There's a lot of things out there for them to believe in and trust. But so often it's not God's word. Hollywood's done an incredible job of giving them something to believe in. The school is giving them an opportunity to believe in something just because it's in a textbook. Hey, the the media is giving our children something to believe in. And so their minds are going wild trying to figure out what's truth and what's real and what's right. It's hard enough on a kid growing up to figure out where he's going to be when he grows up. Kids don't need to figure out if they're a boy or a girl. There's some things in life that's just a given. You know what I mean? God is a good God. He made things simple for us. You know what I mean? It's undeniable. But we have complex things with our sinful desires and our immoral mentality. And we have created complex things and made it where our kids are no longer just trusting by simple faith God's word for what it says. That in the beginning God created a man and a woman. And there's a man for a woman and a woman for a man. We've lost track of those things. We're bombarded by these ideas. And our children do not need more assumptions. And our children don't need more opinions. And our children don't need more theories. And our children don't need no, no more so-sos and this and this idea. And maybe so's and hope so's and all these other things. They need facts. And facts, true facts, absolute, is truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh from the Father but by him. The Bible says when we give our truth to our children, it will set them free. That's what truth does. It breaks the bondage of depression when they feel worthless. It breaks this misconstrued idea that they're, they're, they're not good enough, or they should be this and not this, or they're not skinny enough. And God said you were fearfully and wonderfully made. Trust me. Trust my word. 
This is a foundation, a fundamental that you need to abide by for your family. This faith, leading by God's way, trusting God's word. It's not easy sometimes to trust God, is it? It really isn't. The only thing our families have to hold on is our faith in God. (laughs) Your kids are watching you. I know you don't want to hear this, but when everybody else's faith is weak, your kids, their faith gets weak. When mom and dad are discouraged and your faith is weak, your kids' faith gets weak. I want to be really personal right now, transparent, okay? I know that I went through a really difficult time a, a couple of months ago. Really hard time. Say, pastors don't go through things like that. Well, I did. And I was questioning a lot of stuff. I mean, you know, my wife has been sick for a year and a half. And they can't figure things out. Feel like the woman with the issue of blood. And went to all these doctors. And nobody has an answer. And things just keep on getting worse. And we're praying. And we anoint it with oil. And we have faith. And we're trusting. My kids are praying. And I just got to this point. That my wife started throwing up free four, five, six, seven times a day. And she starts passing out. No explanation for anything. Can't drive. Juggling this and juggling that. Trying to figure out how to keep my kids' morale of, you know, and, and get excited that God's in control. And Satan found an opportunity. See, that fundamental of my family, that fundamental I have to have, leading my family with faith, started getting weak, you know? As a pastor, you ever been there? Came in the office, Chris didn't know what was going on. I was just so mad. He said, you're going to work at Idea Day? I don't know if I want to do Idea Day, you know? I don't know. I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if I want to do this. Find myself sitting down praying. I'm thinking, God, why am I praying right now? What do you want from me? Every day of my, my, my life, morning, noon, and night, all I do is serve, serve, serve. I don't know what you want. What am I supposed to do? Can't you just do this one thing and heal my wife? Can you do that for me, God, please? My faith was weak. When your faith gets weak, you get angry. You get mad. Then you start questioning God. Then you question your own personal faith. Where do I stand? What do I believe? Is this true? Is God's word true? I believe here he is. Josiah, he's... Joshua, excuse me, Joshua is standing there and he's questioning, can I do this? Am I able to do this? And so here I find myself and I finally got to the point I was just stressed and frustrated, irritated, mad. My wife's sleeping on the couch because she was in so much pain. She says, I'd rather just sleep on the couch. She slept on the couch for months. I went to bed and I sat there and I thought, this has got to stop, God. You created the whole world. You can't do this one thing for me. Just this one thing. I'm crying, I'm mad, put my earphones on. I don't know why I did this. I have no idea why I did this, but I thought, who could relate to me? Job. I'll read Job. So I had my Bible app, and I listened to Job. And I listened, and I listened, and I felt his anger, because he's like, God, why don't you just kill me? He didn't ask for anything else. He just wanted to die. He, get, he, he just said, I want to die. Why did you do this to me? I'm like, yeah, you're right, Job. I feel you. I know what's going on. I'm there. And then God talked. And when God spoke, I changed. Because at the end of Job, that's when God said, he said, were you there when I created the foundation of the world? 
Where were you? Why didn't you counsel me when I put the stars in the skies? When I took care of the cubs, and he described everything from the birds to the trees, everything including the grass, every detail imaginable you would never think was in the Bible. And he says to Job, were you there when I knew what was best for the world? Were you there to counsel me and guide me and teach me what I need to do and how to do it? And then he ended with no explanation for what Job went through. He just ended. And then Job said this, Teach me, O God, to cover my mouth with my hands. I don't know if that's what I wanted to hear, but that's what I learned to do. And that night, yeah, I cried myself to sleep, and I realized some things may never change, and the end result may not be what I want, and it may not turn out great, but who am I to question the God of the world, who am I to step out and think that I got it figured out? I am nothing. He's awesome. I'm nothing. He's wonderful. I'm nothing. He's holy. He's perfect. And I had to realize that I must have faith for my family. And I cannot compromise that when my wife's faith is weak. I cannot compromise it. My kid's faith is weak because I have to step up when I don't want to step up. And I have to trust when I don't want to trust. And I have to step back and say, God, you lead me. Show me the way and help me to trust your word while I'm going that way in that direction. That is not easy to do. But I'm tell you, it's the fundamentals of your family. It's vitally important to understand that you must have faith for your family and trust your God. I am absolutely positive that in life we find ourselves doing things that we think are best. We fight big battles that think we, we got control of. And I found that in Joshua, he was fighting some big battles too. And one of these family fundamentals was you must fight for your family. You're having faith and you're staying strong and everybody's attacking you. Even Job had attacks, remember? They were throwing everything at him, left and right. He was discouraged. He was upset. But he had to stay faithful and consistent. And the Bible says further on in Scripture, later on in Joshua chapter 24, you fast forward, he's about 120 years old. People got real comfortable because they had great victories all through the book of Joshua. Things were happening, you know? God was moving. God was working. God was... And then they got so comfortable with the blessings of God, they started allowing things in their life. You know? Have you ever been there? You get comfortable and you start compromising and the bible explains in joshua chapter 24 some things that he had to deal with so joshua meets with all the people and says let me tell you something this is what god's done for us he has brought us out of egypt he has brought us across the red sea he has done great things and providing for you he is god he is lord but i have found out some of you are serving false gods you got some idols in your home You've allowed things to come into your life and you're not leading your family correctly. You have to fight for your family. You have to have faith for your family. You have to have a foundation for your family, but you better fight for your family when you know what's right. 
And so he gathers them together and reminds them of what God did. And then he says in Joshua chapter 24, imagine how old his kids are now, watching dad standing there around 120 years old. After all these years of serving and trusting and weeping and and having faith when everything was discouraging and he wanted to give up. His dad stands firm as an elderly man and looks at the crowd and he says this, verse 14, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. In other words, he's saying you got to purge your home. Hey, God's done some great things. You want to fight for your kids? You need to purge your home and get some things out. And he's talking about the idols that were there. He said, put them away. Put away the gods. Let me tell you something. You can have all the faith. You can have great foundations. But if you don't enforce things in your home and be consistent, as the Bible says, in sincerity and in truth, then you're failing. That means you have to step up. He said, well, we believe this and we believe that. But do you practice it? That's sincerity and in truth. If you practice it, you'll enforce it and you'll fight for your family. And this is how, by purging your home. Now, let me explain. I'm going to get real practical. If you got a pen, you got kids, you might want to write some of this down. When you purge the things in your home, these idols that get set up, I imagine Joshua was thinking, I can't believe down the street. They, man, they served God for all these years and now Billy's got that idol in his home. It just starts with a little one. I mean, something he, he found, a collectible from Egypt. I mean, good grief, why is this happening? Now their faith is getting a little distracted and a little discouraged. And, and they're starting to think this is okay and they're accepting these things. And, and Joshua meets with his kids and says, I don't understand. Look what all God's done for us. Why are these things happening? We got to do something about it. We're going to have to start purging some things. And so he does. He meets with them and says, get these gods out. And he says, and this is how we do it practically in our lives today. These are just practical things. Number one, filter your children's environment. Let me tell you something. Where they go, who they're with. You need to do a little thing called phone tag. Your kids are old enough to have a phone. Hey, where are you at? What's going on? You say, well, I just don't want to over. I don't want to tower over them until something goes wrong. And then you wish you towered over them. Sometimes it's good just to keep in contact with them as they get older. Yeah, I know there's limitations there. But you need, to, you need to filter your children's environment. Some of the kids your, your kids are hanging out with, you need to know who they are. A little meet and greet. What's Johnny's name? Where's, what's, what's Johnny's dad do? What are you guys going to do today? Some people are so disconnected, they say, yeah, I don't care where you go, what you do, go across the street, go over there. Children are molested and all kinds of horrific things happen. I'm telling you something, we're not taking responsibility. And the evil things creep in our home. And evil relationships and so on and so forth. Filter your kids' entertainment. What they watch. Uh, what they listen to. I'm going to write some of this down. I think it's very important when it comes to your kids' entertainment that you look things up. You say, well, that's, I want to protect my kids from evil conversations and profanity. But you don't protect yourself from it. You are a hypocrite. You understand me? If it's evil when they're 10 to hear that junk, it's evil when they're 25. Don't compromise. I know we're getting real quiet right now. Why are you flipping the cover over to see what kind of language is in it? If you, you don't think there's anything wrong with it. They're going to look at mommy and daddy and say, so what, I'm 18. Well, how old do I have to be to listen to that word, mommy? Or you say that. Is that okay for me to say that? No, you're too young. No, there, there's never an age to accept sin. You know, we got to make some, some guidelines. So some of you need to quit flipping the cover over and looking at the DVD on the back or before we go to theater, just say it's rated for this. You need to look things up, things like commonsensemedia.com. That's going to help you figure out what's in there. I think some of you should write these things down. Commonsensemedia.com. Kidsinmind.com. 
These are available, available for you to see exactly what's said and done in these movies. And we don't do that often enough. Grandma, grandpa, you just trust your kids. Say, no, mom, grandma, it's a good movie. And then you're embarrassed because it happened in your home. Look it up. Look it up. IMDB Parent Guide. That's important. Pluggedin.com. These are available for you to filter your children's entertainment. And then filter your ch- children's internet. I am a firm believer in accountability. CovenantEyes.com. This is available for you to, to monitor and, and what's going on with your kids' viewing habits with the internet. How many ever use Covenant Eyes? There's a few of you in here. I have Covenant Eyes. Everybody on staff that's a pastor has Covenant Eyes. Everything I look at, Pastor Tony could see if he wanted to. You say, that's extreme. No, the internet's extreme. Because we can see anything on there. We got to guard ourselves and purge our home and say, what's going on? Too often kids make horrific decisions and end up in jail. And we say, I never knew. Well, why didn't we know? Because that, that idol creeped in the home and sin set itself up and things happen. You got to fight, fight, fight for your family by purging your home. They purge the idols out. Filter your children's environment, their entertainment, their internet. I think it's vitally important to put restrictions on your children when they're too young to know how to have restrictions, especially entertainment. Shouldn't be on their phone all day long when they're 12 years old, 10 years old. Parent controls are very important to use. Uh, Have access to their accounts. You say, what? Yeah, if you don't know your kid's passcode to get on their phone, then quit paying for the phone. You have no right? No, I don't want to get involved. That's, this, that's their I want them to have their privacy. Let me tell you, it's not about invading their privacy, but rather protecting their integrity. Don't ever forget that. You protect your kids because it's your responsibility. You fight for your family, just like he did. He said, it's time to purge your home of the idols. Choose you this day whom you'll serve. And then you not only do purging the home, but by serving the Lord. Joshua said, and if seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether it be the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. He said, listen. I'm going to purge the idols out of my kids' rooms. I'm not going to let those little things get in my, my life, my family's life. I'm going to fight for my family, but at the same time, I'm going to serve my Lord. And serving the Lord requires an important value, and that is taking a stand when things get hard. Joshua was found himself facing people who were feeling that serving God is now a little bit evil. Did you feel that was a little weird that it says, if it seem evil to you? Is it evil now to serve God? It is in this generation. The things that are right are now wrong, and the things that are wrong are now right. That's where we live. That's why it's odd for your children to come to school and, 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 and think it's okay to have traditional marriage. You know? That's weird now. It, we've, we've twisted everything. And because of that now, we have to teach our children it's not evil or wrong to stand for God. But we have to fight for our families. I close with this. And I want you to realize at the end of the road, God does bless when you have family fundamentals put in place. The Bible says in Joshua chapter 4 that Joshua called 12 men from the different tribes of, of, of uh, Israel. And he said, when we cross over Jordan, I said, I want you to grab some stones. And then we're going to set up a monument. And he said, the reason we're going to set that, is up, that up is because our children one day are going to look back and say, why are those here? And you can say, because God delivered us from this, this, 
this, this, because we had faith and God gave us this, 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 because we followed God, because we had family fundamentals that we put into place and we weren't going to waver from them. We put the foundation in our family. We put the need to have faith and not waver. We established the idea that we will fight for what's right. And God blessed us. Now, don't ever forget it. Every time you see these stones, this monument, remember what God did for us.